Welcome back to the Tip of the Spear Leadership Podcast. And today, before we get started, we have a very special episode and a very special sponsor to go with it. Are you looking to supercharge your career in the fire service and embrace the power of making a lasting impact? Well, listen up, because I've got the podcast that's tailor-made for you. Welcome to Keep the Promise. This is an action-packed podcast. TJ's got your back as a, with a treasure trove of strategies and tactics to not just survive, but absolutely thrive, both on and off the job. Picture this. You'll learn how to fuel your body, mind, and spirit so you can bring your A-game on the scene and still live your best life when you're off duty. It's like getting the ultimate blueprint for success. Expect candid tales of victories, setbacks, and invaluable lessons learned. It's like having a wise mentor right in your earbuds, guiding you through the challenges and cheering you through the triumphs. But that's not all, folks. Keep the Promise is not just a podcast. It's a tight-knit community of dedicated firefighters like you, a brotherhood and sisterhood united by a powerful oath of service to your community. Here, you'll find support, camaraderie, and a wealth of knowledge that'll sharpen your skills and make you an unstoppable force for good within your fire department. We all know physical fitness, mental readiness, and rock-solid training are the backbone of successful firefighting career. And that's precisely what you'll discover here. Expert insights on injury proofing your body, nailing down top-notch nutrition, mastering recovery techniques, and building an unshakable mental stamina. But wait, there is more. Brace yourself for thrilling interviews, special guests, and enlightening solo shows, all designed to keep you hooked and hungry for more. This isn't just another members-only podcast. It's an adventure you won't want to miss. Now, here's the best part. You can experience all of this for free. That's right. Keep the Promise is offering a sizzling, hot, seven-day trial where you can soak up all the benefits of this incredible community without spending a dime. Once you subscribe, you'll help other firefighters like you. Keep the Promise has a goal to reach 150 patrons, at which point they'll establish a charitable fund to help firefighters and their families in their time of need. Are you ready to embrace your true potential as a firefighter and protector of your community? Don't wait. Visit joinkeepthepromise.com. Again, that's joinkeepthepromise.com. We'll see you on the inside. Hey guys, welcome back to the Tip of the Ship Spear Leadership Podcast, episode number 29. And I have another repeat guest today. And, uh, Sharp guy, somebody I look up to a lot and I, I really respect. And, you know, I think Bobby can agree with me that the last episode we did felt like it was a little unfinished. So he's back today. We have Bobby Eckert. He is known for uh, being the captain of the Camden Fire. I, and I say that jokingly. Uh, captain with the Camden Fire Department in New Jersey. Uh, he has Eckert Fire Tactics. Bobby, thank you for joining us again. And, uh, Give everybody who may not know who you are, give them a little introduction, and we'll get rocking and rolling. Uh, yeah, thanks, and I appreciate you having me back, man. Um, and congratulations on all the success. It's been—I'm a listener also, so it, it's cool to see a lot of the guests that you have, and uh, I'm happy to be back. Uh, if you don't know, my name is Bobby. I'm a second-generation firefighter. Um, my dad was the fire chief of the town I grew up in. That's kind of how I got my start. I've been up in the city of Camden, New Jersey, for—I'm um, in my 18th year. And I've been a captain for seven. We don't have lieutenants in the Camden Fire Department. We just have captain. That's the rank. So it goes firefighter, captain, battalion chief, deputy chief, chief of department. And um, I've been doing Acre Fire Tactics for about five years now. It's a private fire training company. And we just focus solely on uh, firefighting skills and building firefighter confidence through repetition and experience. All right. And if I remember correctly, and please refresh my memory, you do a lot of things with uh, your company from front seat leadership stuff to practical skills. And, and you add that edge of um, reality, right? There's stuff that I see on your podcast or podcast, excuse me, your website, your social media is the stuff that you put out, the videos you have of your classes. There's a certain edge of reality that you don't get in many other places besides what you can provide specifically. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, we're always trying to from realistic homemade props that we build ourselves to live fire to, uh, you know, smoke that's drawn by hay. You know, we, we try to give whoever comes and takes our class, they pay money to be there. 
And when we do our open enrollments anyway, they pay money. A lot of people pay out of pocket to be there. We want to give it our, our all for their experience. And, uh, you know, wherever we're at, we try to put out a consistent product, whether it's a private drill night that a fire company has contracted us for or it's an open enrollment. You know, we're always trying to bring it and we're always trying to find new ways to bring it. So you think, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty safe to say that your experience in, in the field is basically what brought you to wanting to start that company. And I guess what I'm trying to say is um, experience is everything, right? And to be able to have the confidence to set out of your comfort zone, start a company and take what you have to the country or the world of bringing your experience there takes a lot of guts. Um, they have to have the people that you teach have to have have a reason to want to follow what you have to say. Um, clearly you have instincts. Um, you're decisive because you're able to decide on the curriculum and everything you're doing is stuff that you've experienced in the field. So what I'm getting at for today's episode is basically we're going to be talking about as the officer or as, as a leader, you mean, you know, in the volunteer world, you don't have to be an officer to ride the seat, but basically when you're in charge, you need to be in charge and, all of this is going to be geared towards the fire ground. So um, let's talk a little bit about your experience. Uh, so let, I want to get into maybe if you have some fires off the top of your head from uh, Camden. Let's talk about taking charge and having that command presence on the fire ground. And uh, we'll start off with uh, being the first arriving company, how, how critical that is to set the tone for the fire ground. Because as we both know, the fire goes as the first line goes. And yeah, you know, you know it's, it starts with you. It, it does start with you. It starts as soon as the run comes in. You know, you, you need to be polished and ready to go. You, you got to set the example for your entire crew. I always say, and I've always said, and I've always thought this that that the officer does set the example. So you know, when when the run does come in, you know, is, is the officer getting geared up? Is he ready to go? Is he putting his equipment on properly? It, you know, when he gets in the rig, is he is he getting his air pack on? Is he pulling out a map book is he or she, you know, confirming the running route with the driver, things like that. It, it starts right away and, and a squared away officer is going to do all those things. I've had a lot of, I've had a chance to work for a lot of really good fire officers and I've had a chance to work for some fire officers that weren't so good in both the career and volunteer setting. So it's important to understand right away. If you got a good boss, they're doing these things immediately. When you do arrive, you know, the tone is going to be set by the demeanor of, of the boss. When the boss gets out of the rig, even if it's hellacious conditions where heavy fire, heavy smoke, or people hanging out of windows or a chaotic scene, which it's usually chaotic, what you're pulling into. If their demeanor is one of, I'll never use the word calm because, you know, it, it's really hard to be calm. Right? Yeah. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going to say the word calm, but if the demeanor is mission focused, where, you know, they got they had the eye on the prize, the eye of the objective, or you know, doing what they need to be done. Usually, it's going to flow really well. Usually, it's going to flow really well. But I would be remiss to to not throw the word training in there because hopefully that the fire officer has trained on this with their firefighters before they've got to the working incident. And I think it's really important to understand that you need to train. Not only on like small unit tactics where whatever, like a pump operations drill or a stretching drill or whatever, I think it's important to train on having um, a working fire. Like, hey, this house is on fire. If you maybe if you have like a burn building or a training facility, or if you don't, you know, whatever you can do to, to mimic something, I think it's important to, to say, like, hey, this house is on fire, go and see how your company is going to react. I think that's important to see how it's going to going to unfold in training. So when you're on the fire ground, you know, you're going to have certain expectations. You obviously have things that you want to get met, but you're going to know what the driver is going to do, what the, the water supply guy is going to do, what the nozzle firefighter is going to do, and hopefully what you're going to do. And in the absence of any deficiencies in any one of those spots from driver to uh, water supply, to an irons guy, to an OV guy, any deficiency, the officer has to pick up the slack. They absolutely have to ensure that the job is getting done from forceful entry to stretching a line to whatever. And, and it could be just as, you know, one of the, one of the things that 
I find hard about being a fire officer is, is supervising because you, you have such an instinct to want to work. But if you let your firefighters work and supervise them through encouragement, if that makes sense to you, like, for example, maybe, maybe this is a tough door that they're forcing and they don't have the tool properly set in there. You could walk right up to them and recognize that the tool is not set properly and be like, hey, brother, hey, sister, flip the tool. You got this. Something small like that. But in the absence yeah. of things not getting done, the fire officer has to step in and either encourage a positive situation or take over and get the job done because there's fire blown out the window and there's people trapped in this building and we got to get inside it. Yeah. And you don't want to get too sucked in too, because if you're, I mean, you don't I'm trying to think of how to say this. You can't get too sucked in, in the moment. You have to be able to stop and, and stay. Um, you have to create separation, right? Sure. So I like the example that you brought up and I feel like you brought that up on the last podcast of the encouragement. And, and I think the encouragement is incredibly important to bring up again, because there is something to say about in my, in my experience from being a firefighter, when I know, my officer trusted me to do a skill, a situation, or do whatever needs to get done. He tells me what to do, then he leaves. Hey, Mike, go do X, Y, and Z. I'll be back. See you. And he walks away. And then I come back, or when he takes off, he does whatever he's doing. I know I want to get it done. I know I need to get it done. And But I also know subconsciously, and I'm kind of, it's kind of coming a little bit more to my mind now that I think about it, now that we're talking about it. But I know if he comes back and I need help, hey, man, I- I'm struggling with this. We're going to figure it out together because I know he's going to have my back. He's going to back me up and we're going to figure it out. We're going to talk about it after the call because I know he's going to ask me about it. I know he's going to want to know why it didn't work out. And then we're going to we're going to learn together or we're going to figure it out together. And, and you know, if there's deficiency, we're going to train on it. Um, yeah, I think the other thing about it, too, where I think there's a big payoff, especially as an officer, at least in my experience, is, you know, everybody wants to run those really good rippers, right? Those good sure. fires, you got fire front to back, top to all that. But I think those are fun, but those are your metrics for where you're at. What I find running, we've ran a lot in my experience is um, you'll get those reps fires where it's a room, it's a closet, it's some curtains. We take, we take it as the whole shebang and it's not a whole lot, you know, whatever, but those are reps fires and reps fire. I love me a good reps fire because it helps with the, it helps, uh, the morale. If you're a little dry spell, you haven't really ran a whole lot. You run like a little room, a half a room, you know, some curtains, whatever. It's something you go through all the steps and you kind of see where you're at. And what I've learned is when you take all those reps fires, teach that or they're teachable moments, right? We'll learn from them. If there's anything good or anything bad, we'll walk through the good. We'll talk about stuff and stay engaged. Engagement is the biggest thing. And then with, you get a few of those under your belt and you run a couple of those and then inevitably, and I feel like it happens and you know, you can speak a little bit more to this. You get that one fire where you get your ass kicked and it's a culmination of all the reps fires, the training, the, the tailboard talks, the watching other companies do things a certain way or make mistakes, or, you know, you see the good they, things they do, whatever, all those things all come encompassed to that one fire where you're, you're going to get your ass kicked and it's all going to culminate to that if you're, if you're prepared or not. So I don't think any officer officer should ever look at a fire as it was just a room. It was just a closet. No, those are all reps fires. Those are all good things where they see you being the officer, you know? I I, I, I'm, I'm, no, you I know? agree with you. Uh, what, what you call a rep fire, I call low budget. So a low budget, a low Name budget fire to me is <laughs> where I learn a lot about everybody else on the fire gun from other mm-hmm. companies to chief officers, to my firefighters. I use that fire, that low budget fire to learn where, where the deficiencies are, and then we can talk about them. So when we get that that good fire, you know the good fire, oh, then yeah. we've already we've already addressed everything from the low budget. I agree. There's a low budget fire is worth its weight in gold for a lot of reasons and a lot that you mentioned. But you got to take every incident, especially as an officer. You know, and I've learned this through painful miscalculations and not doing what I'm about to say. I didn't do it at first is you have to reflect on everybody's movement in your company. And one of the hardest things to do 
on the fire ground and in the fire service is only worry about your company and your guys. A lot of people worry about what everybody else is doing. I can't control what everybody else is doing. I'm not their boss. I'm this company's boss, and I can worry about what these guys are doing. I just got transferred uh, to a different firehouse about two and a half months ago, and I let off with my expectations and all that stuff. And I know the guys. I've known them for a while. But I told them one of the one of the ways I operate is this. I don't care, and I'm not trying to sound like an asshole or ignorant. I don't care what everybody else is doing. I only care what we're doing, and that's it. Now, if somebody's making a grave mistake or a deficiency that's directly going to affect us, then that's something as a fire officer I need to handle with the other officer. I need to have a a direct conversation with them, whether on the handy talkie or face to face immediately and and, and mitigate that problem. But, you know, if you worry about yourself and worry about your own company, you're able to build a force that's to be reckoned with at any incident. And I feel like a lot of people, especially with the internet, because it's so easy to just see, uh, you know, what's happening, what's going on. You know, if you yeah. follow certain so- social media pages, you can usually go overnight to a fire in Baltimore City w- with those guys because they, they have a great social media presence. So it's really easy to Monday morning quarterback. It's really easy to say they should have done this, they should have done that, should have done that. I don't care. I worry about what my guys are doing and my guys only. Well, in the heat of the moment is a real thing too, right? Sure. And in the heat of the moment, and I don't – I mean – I don't know if you have any experience with this or not. I've found myself making more mistakes and catching them on low budget. We'll we'll use what you call them, low budget fires. I found myself making stupid mistakes that I normally would never make or call them career first, right? So on on those fires. So I had one where I was working overtime and it was just an air conditioning unit. It looked like a lot, but it ended up not really being a whole lot. They walked in and literally the guy on the line opened the line. It shot the air conditioning unit out the window, first floor window, knocked it out. And literally the fire was out. It was out, right? You couldn't really tell. I mean, you could tell there was an AC unit there and you could see flames. But in my opinion, I I, I couldn't really tell it was just the AC unit. So it looked pretty decent. I mean, there's smoke chest level, you know, good to go. All right. A nice, you know, first do fire, you know, something good for the guys. And uh, I go to walk in and I I don't know how this happened, but I was going in the door. Somebody out was coming out and they stepped on my heel as I stepped up and my boot came completely out of, off my foot. I have never Jeez, in my career have had that before or since. I've never heard anybody have that issue. And for me, I'm like, I need to get the hell in here because I'm not going to say my boot fell off at the door. I never told anybody I jammed my foot in there and I literally dragged my foot and slid like I have a, a dead leg, you know, I mean, I'm not going to allow myself to be that guy, but it was kind of interesting. Cause I mean, and that's funny, you know, I mean, I, I laugh about it. It really wasn't a big deal. It was all good, but um, you know, it's small minor things like that, that I think hap- I've, I've had experience happen on those calls, but people see those things, right? Sure. Where, it, where, where were you? <laughs> like, yeah, you know, but, you know, there's so many teachable moments. There really is. But you have to be open to accepting it as a teachable moment yeah. and realizing that you're going to make so many mistakes from, you know, I think every fire I go to, I always wish I did something different, right? From yeah. put my gloves on a certain way to getting out of the rig a certain way. How many guys do you know have gotten out of a fire truck and busted their leg or ankle or whatever? Just just, I mean, like legit, like after six months, because, hey, what happened? I was getting out of the rig. Like that's that's their story. Yeah. So I've learned through the years where I need to, number one, calm myself down. So I'm, I have more physical and mental clarity when I'm arriving. So I'm able to, you know, read everything properly, do the right size up and make the proper adjustments on the fly if I have to when I'm out of the rig. I think that's one of the things when I do teach company officer stuff, I try to drive home that slowing yourself down mentally and physically is vital because, you know, number one, you set the tone. If you're cool, calm, and collected, hopefully everybody else is going to be cool, calm, and collected, but they might not be. You don't know. So if you're – if you're that way, you're able to read the situation very well. And I think, again, we, we were talking about experience before we jumped on here. It's 
it's a very experience-driven place to be riding that right front seat. And I understand people that from smaller volunteer departments or, you know, volunteer departments have struggled with daytime responses. You know, you're putting whoever in that right front seat and hopefully they are ready to go. But experience guides, you know, I'm not going to give percentage because I'll probably be wrong, but experience guides a lot of what, a lot of what we're doing. So yeah. if you never, you know, I always say as a fire officer, you can't have limitations at all, but it's, it's impossible not to have limitation. But I mean sure. that in, in regard where say your firehouse has a ladder truck in it and you're a newly appointed fire officer and you've never trenched a roof before, which is one of the most painstaking, difficult tasks you're going to do in a ladder company is cut a trench in a roof, especially a flat roof with, with, with multiple layers of tar. Sure. So if you've never done that before, it is time for you to check a limitation off your checklist and go figure out from a subject matter expert on what I need to do to get this done. But you're also going to realize right away, right away, if you're honest with yourself and honest with the people in your company, like, hey, I've never done this before, but if we got to do it, we're going to do it together. But let's train on it as much as possible. So when we're faced with it, we're kind of all on the same page. If you put yourself in that mindset, I feel like you're you're setting yourself up for uh, victory, even if it works out for you, it doesn't. At least you at least you you put the due diligence into finding a deficiency in yourself and trying to work on it. Yeah, and you know, when you when you set that presence of saying, and I mean, at least for me, in my opinion, if someone has the balls to say in the public domain of the crew, hey man, I've never you know, if I, I've never trenched a roof before, I don't know what I'm doing. I mean that takes guts, right? I'm gonna have a little, I'm gonna have some respect for that guy. I'm like, all right, well, I mean, he kind of put them put himself out there. I know how uncomfortable that can be. And let's say, and this is just my again my experience. Let's, I mean, you're gonna go do it. Like it's only a matter of time before you have to go cut that roof, or you're gonna have to go do whatever that skill is you're not proficient at. And everyone's gonna remember that you said that. So they're gonna say you're gonna get, hey, you know, truck one, I need you to go to the roof. We're gonna cut a we're gonna cut a trench between this building that in this location, we're gonna cut this trench. They're gonna be like, Hey, you ready? Like, we haven't done this. Here it is. It's it's our time. They're all gonna know in your in their in the back of their mind, whether they say it or not, they're gonna know that you haven't done it. But when you're done and you're finished, you do it, you all did that together as a group. Exactly. Right? It, it, That's it, gonna pay off. It is. It, you know? it, it's going to build continuity. It's going to it's sure. going to build continuity. So I got transferred uh, back to Squad Seven, which is it's in the special ops community in my fire department, and we're, right away we're monthly training. You know, jumping in, jumping back into special operations. I haven't for seven years. I haven't. The only rope I've touched is my shoelace. I, I, I just I haven't been I haven't been immersed yeah. in the, in that life because I've been out in um, you know just the regular suppression forces not doing anything like that. And we first came back and we, and we did uh, our, 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 our July monthly discipline was uh, swift water. Well, swift water is the only rescue discipline. I have zero training for it. Yeah. So I told my guys immediately, I'm like, listen, I don't, this is, this is not my thing. I don't know much about it. I've mm. never been trained on it, but we're going to a pool today. It's a controlled waterway let's try to get as much out of this training today together together as humanly possible and i got a guy in my company raised hand he's like yo i, I got the training i'm actually a technician i'm like we're gonna lean on you you know yeah. during the during the training to you're the dude show me some things because i've learned that i have a deficiency i have a discipline of you know uh, a scope of firefighting or fire rescue that i have no I, I, you know, it, it's foreign to me. So being honest with them and getting involved in the training. And I, dude, I was like taking notes. I'm trying to learn as much as, because I'm the captain, I'm the guy in charge. I need to, I, I need to have my, you know, my stuff squared away when it comes to this discipline. And it was, I'll tell you what, I wasn't nervous telling my guys that I wasn't anxious. I wasn't anything. It felt good to get it off my chest and let them know like, Hey, we're going to get involved in this. And, I don't, I know how to throw a bag of polypropylene rope and that's about it. Like, you know, like, um, yeah. So sure. It's okay. It, it, it's okay. But you need to, as an officer, have them conversations, have them, 
immediately in the morning. Have them whenever. Talk. You know, you're human. And one of the biggest things about firefighters is our egos. We're, we're always trying to act like we're this subpar or subhuman person when, in fact, we're just a human being who can only be as good as my as number one, what they're taught, how they're taught, how they retained it and how much experience they have in it. It's another thing about training. And one thing I notice about when I teach people is, are you retaining the information that I'm giving you? Is my teaching style working for you? Because how firefighter A learns is not how firefighter B learns. So sure. th- that's a whole different thing too. It's the culture as well. I think, yeah. and that's kind of what I said a little bit earlier of, you know, and I'm really, this is a really good point that you brought up of, you know, yeah, you can throw a bag of rope and you're going to, you found a guy on your shift that was the uh, subject matter expert. You know, I think be- being able to know when to take a back seat and let somebody else drive the bus is much better than being the guy always in charge. Yep. And I think, you know, I, and I, like we talked about a little bit before we started, I really wanted to focus heavily on um, fire ground and enough, not like skills, but like um, stuff on calls and, and real world experience. That's why I led off with uh, your training company and why I'm really glad you brought all this to this direction. And, and what I'm, I'm bringing together now is all that creates that culture when you're on the fire ground, whether you, I, I mean, at least in my experience, there's stuff that I know like subconsciously and then consciously I know about the people that I work with where I know who's going to be the dude for this situation, or I know who I'm going to have to um, lean on or who I knew who I know will lean on me a little bit. Like, you know, Hey LT, I'm not sure about, or whatever, like we're good, bro. I got it. And, you know, obviously on fires uh, it's a dictatorship. It's not a democracy. You know what the, what the officer says goes. Um, And, you know, everybody should, voice their opinion when they have or voice their observations when they have pertinent information. I mean, you need to, you have to do that and you have to build that culture. And I think that's culture is built through training that culture is built through experience, low budget fires, um, chats in the firehouse and all that. So, you know, we're 20 minutes into this, into this episode and we've created the foundation, I think, and, you know, please correct me if I'm wrong of the foundation of where all that starts. You know, it all starts in the firehouse. It all starts with how you carry yourself as the officer, the demeanor that you bring and your interactions on all these minor things that just like a house of cards, you build up. Well, is it going to collapse or is it going to be strong? Right. Maybe house of cards is a bad analogy, but you know what I'm saying? Um, (laughs) So, um, you know, the foundation, the foundation's built. So, I want to move. I want to change direction a little bit. What do you think are the common things that are come up in your officer classes when it comes to um, fire ground command presence? And then, I mean, I can only imagine some of the stuff you've heard and, and chats you've had with people, emails, all that stuff. I, I mean, I can only imagine. I get. Um, I, I get a lot of. I always get the what ifs. You know, what if this? What if that? What if this? What if that? And I always answer the what if where. I always try to bring them back. I always try to reel them in. I feel like they just cast it a, a very far line. And sure. I want to I reel them in and I want to start at the beginning. And the beginning to me, if you're a street firefighter, whether you're a career volunteer and you want to be an officer, you want to sit in that right front seat. If you do not know the five types of building construction, if you do not know how fire travels through these buildings – if you do not know or cannot cannot anticipate fire traveler spread or what's what the fire is going to do within the building, you have no business, no business riding that right front seat at sure. all. Because an ignorance to building instruction will not only make you look foolish and have you totally misjudge a situation, it can also kill you. It can also kill you deeply. And we've seen it happen multiple times throughout our careers where we're, we're pretty much at the same time on the job. We, we, you know, we, we've seen it happen. So, and you can kill others too, which is the kind of the shitty part. your bad decision can make you, you will go home, but your bad decision, someone else isn't going home and they're dead. You know, absolutely. absolutely. I, I bring it back. I bring it back to building instruction all the time, all the time. And I can tell you this, you might arrive 
with a certain type of building instruction, say you have a row frame on fire, you have a, a frame, a row of frame houses on fire, and maybe you're the first do truck and you're thinking you're going to get off and do ABC and you literally, you know, walk past the chief and he grabs you and totally readjusts your assignment to what he thinks needs to get done. Now, now you have it. Now you have a serious conflict. Do you do what you wanted to do? Or do you do what he wanted to do? And you need to understand where he's coming from. And he needs to understand where you're coming from. So I'll give you an example. I was at a row frame fire uh, a couple months ago, right after we did our, our first podcast. And I arrived thinking I was going to go to the roof. I, I Every indication in the world was telling me from just reading the building and the building instruction that we're going to the roof. I grabbed, I had the guy behind me grab a portable ladder, a 20 foot extension ladder, which is a great ladder. He grabbed the saw. I grabbed the saw. We start walking down the street and I'm like, you know, Dave, we're going right to the roof. There's, there's no doubt about it. And the chief grabbed me and he's like, I need you to get in this exposure right now. Then enter search. Uh, there's fire in there and we got people unaccounted for it. My whole mindset, my whole game plan, everything that I was thinking from arrival till I got out of the truck to walk down the street just changed for me. Now, as a fire officer, I have to reread the building because I was reading it one way. I got to reread the building in seconds, and then I have to redeploy my resources, which is my company, towards the towards the interior. Yeah, uh, that, yeah, that can create a bit of a a gut check, and you know that's another opportunity to pay into that command presence where you know your chief says that you said the guy's name was Dave, right? Yeah. Dave's sitting there looking at you going, Oh shit. Well, we got to go do that. And then he, I guarantee you the first thing was the chief came up. So he's looking at the chief cause the chief's talking. He says that and he's going to immediately beeline right to you and look at your reaction. He did, And, and that's I, another I, chance to go, cool. This one. Gotcha. Chief. Dave, let's that's go. What we did. That's what we even, did. Even, even if in your mind you're going a hundred miles an hour, that wheel's spinning of shit. All right, cool. And now you're readjusting, which I think that's something that, people that have been in that position know there's a feel there is a physical feeling in your gut when you get when that situation happens as an officer that's different than when you're a firefighter. Uh, there's no doubt there's no doubt about like, it. And you know what I mean? Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Sure. And when 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 we teach this class, uh, I have a few guys that, that work for me that teach it with me and we talk about pivot all the time. Making making a fire ground pivot. So that doesn't mean you're first off, it doesn't mean you did anything wrong. Conditions can cause you to pivot. Uh, somebody else's actions can cause you to pivot. A change uh, in strategy can cause you to pivot. The chief reading something different than you can cause you to pivot. There's a whole different uh, uh, a gamut of things that can happen on the fire ground that you need to, number one, you, you have to reread, in my opinion, if you, were, if you had plan A, and you got to pivot to plan B and you were reading the building for plan A, you need to reread the building for plan B. You need to change your mindset, look at it differently. Even if this takes three seconds to do, it needs to be done because it's going to shift your head to plan B. Plan B gets changed. You got to pivot to C. Then, you know, whatever, how many times you, you've been in the building, emergency evacuation signal is in there and you're inside like, we're doing great. What What's going on? Like, why are we getting pulled out of the building? I'm, I'm sure you've been there. And you come outside and you're like, okay, this is why I'm getting pulled out of the building. <laughs> I didn't see that. Yeah, I didn't, we didn't see it from the inside. Sure. And then now I need to – it's, hey, you're in, the, you're in the truck company. I need you on the roof. Well, meanwhile, I was just on the second floor doing a primary search and zero visibility and high heat. Now I got I to gotta, I gotta go back to the truck, get all my shit, get a ladder up, get up on the roof. It, it's it, – it, fire yeah. ground – and being a fire officer is again that 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 building instruction read, understanding your size up for yourself. Remember back in the day, like size up books were real thick, yeah. And it was like intimidating to talk about size up. And you, you sit, you go like take a class, and it's like an eight hour class just on uh, one one talking on the radio. Yeah, yeah, whatever it is. And you're you're like, wow, this sucks. Thank God I'm not the officer. And yeah. it's not like that anymore. You, you know, no. if you keep the size up unique to yourself, then 
you're going to do well. You're, 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 you're not going to miss, you're not going to miss something. We had this conversation the other day at work about this, the studying for a promotional exam. And when you are done studying, you take the test and, you know, you throw the books up against the wall or whatever you do to, to be done, to get out of your study books. But the best officers, in my opinion, well, number one, take ownership in it and, you know, got the experience, but they retained information out of their studying. They retained building instruction. They retained size up. And not only that, when they're studying and they're working as a firefighter, maybe it readjusts their mindset to build a better foundation on this, build a better foundation on that. And then when they go to promote and get in that seat, they're kind of running. um, They hit the ground running where, the people that are hesitant or, you know, have a tough transition aren't the ones who were getting ready before and, you know, being more conscientious. We, we went down a rabbit hole with this conversation for like two hours of work and there were some really good points brought up. There really was. So it, it's it's how you want to approach it is what's going to make you or break you, in my opinion. Yeah, and you can use certain things to your advantage. So you were talking about that size up class. I took a class like that and it was actually hilarious looking back on it now. Cause as, as you're talking about it, it all kind of clicked to me when I was, when I took this class and when I started riding the seat, when I was a volunteer, the most thing, the thing I was the most afraid of was talking on the radio and doing a size up it scared the shit out of me. Cause I don't want to sound like an idiot. I was worried about it and all that. And what I ended up learning was talking on the radio is the easiest thing there is in the world. And what I undervalued, and it's not something it's not something i think i understood or or appreciated as much as i should have and i figured this out in the last couple of years is your size up will slow you down right so you need to slow down take a breath calm down again as we talked about you set the tone as the first arriving unit you know the fire goes as the first engine goes but back that up even further well, that line ever does anything, you got to talk on the radio and tell them you're there and tell them where you're laying out and all, all that stuff. We can both agree on that for this scenario, everyone's going to lay out and pull hand lines, right? We'll, we'll agree on that. Sure. But what I'm getting at is the size up is going to slow you down. So you like, you can't stare at the radio, like pick your head up, take a breath, talk, right? So as you're talking, you're showing what you're saying. So now, you know what the building construction is, you know, where the fire is, or if you know, you don't, whatever your conditions are. You, you slow down. All right. Well, I mean, it's just like the trash guys don't turn the corner and freak out because there's trash cans everywhere. They were told the trash cans are going to be there. You were told the house is on fire. Take a minute, slow it down. Just see where the fire is. They told you it was going to be there. Figure it out and get going and do your job. And, and I think that's something I undervalued was just taking a breath in that size up. Just take a nice big deep breath before you say a word. It'll make you feel, it'll calm you down. Key the radio up, say what you have to say, what's needed. Don't say the Gettysburg Address. Just say what's needed. Get off the radio. And I think that can create that tone to to really help that out. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of where I was going with it is, is I think it's another opportunity to really just pivot. It's a good pivot point, in my opinion, because now whatever you were told, now you're there, right? You're, so You're living it. You're living yeah. it. And, that, and that's – I think it, I think I, I find – I don't want to use the word difficulty – uh, I think I find that there can, whenever I teach, whenever I lecture, there's always a disconnect because I'm not a lecturer. You're reading off of, you're reading off a slide. So yeah. we're, we're not, we're not out, we're not on the street. We're not at a building where there's not flames behind me blowing out of this building. So I can only do so much, but to get you engaged in the situation. But when you discuss pivot, whenever I discuss it, I, I can hear a pin drop in the room because you can tell that I've never read pivot in a book, you, you know, uh, it's, it's just something I've learned along the way. I can tell people are really like taken back, not taken back. Like they're like, Oh shit. They're actually really thinking about pivot points on the fire run. And then we come, then we go to a whole different discussion on, on that topic alone. So like you said, you arrive, you size up, you radio report, boom. Now I'm pivoting to operational mode where I have to step out of the rig safely, yep. hopefully. Okay. Have all my, have, have all my shit on me. Have sure. all, have everything on me. My gloves, my tool, my flashlight, my thermal imaging camera, you know, my, 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 my SCBA, 
and I need to move towards the objective now. The objective is the fire. And a lot of people, a lot of people view the fire as an obstacle. The fire is the objective. It says fire department on the side of our rig. It is not an obstacle. It's the objective, the building, the foreground, everything from the, the, the rig to the inside, to the seat of the fire is the obstacle. So when I pivot out of size up mode and go to operational mode and attack mode and movement mode, I need to realize I am now conquering obstacle after obstacle after obstacle to get to my objective. Yeah, because you could also pull up to a situation where the reality of the fire and what you're looking at doesn't match up with your general orders or your SOPs. And that's where you, I think, you really get tested as an officer because you're going to – and I I don't know how every department is. The department I work for is pretty straightforward about exactly what they want every time. However, if you need to deviate from it, you have to have a very good reason – and I think knowing when to pull that trigger, when to deviate is tough, but you don't get that from a book. You don't get that from talking to Dave, not your Dave, but Dave on, you know, on the side of the fire truck, you get that by real world experience and you get that from possibly making mistakes, but building that strong foundation as being a um, experienced firefighter. Like we talked about during the promotion, your, your promotional discussion uh, scenario before, and uh, what you brought up earlier about knowing building construction and how fire passes through all those buildings. All those things play a big factor into it. And then the next big factor of it is who's behind you in the fire truck and who's sitting next to you. I think all those things, getting the line, you know, all those things play, um, play a factor into it specifically, you know, being able to complete your size up and doing a 360 of the building without falling and, you know, getting yourself jacked up. But um, I I think there comes that time where where that reality is going to hit. You're going to be, you're going to be put right in the position. It's going to be a very difficult one um, where you're going to have to make the decision to go against your SOPs. Um, And I think the most common one where it throws everything out the window, at least in my, I haven't experienced this um, on an engine, but I think the biggest one's going to be first arriving, obvious working fire, then you have obvious rescues somewhere completely separate from where that fire is. You have to do the rescues. We know that, right? That's pretty common sense, but three o'clock in the morning, you're exhausted. Your kid's sick at home. You're dead to the world. You're tired. That's when that call is going to, at least in my experience, that when that wild, that wild call is going to hit you. Um, and you have to have that presence of mind to be able to pull the trigger and, and, and go down that path. And you know, there's, you brought up some good points, and I think one of the biggest points here, if anybody's listening, you, you know, to deviate from rules. Number one, you got to know the rules. You got to know you got you got to know your SOPs, OAGs, sure. S, SOGs, whatever whatever you're calling them. We call them we call them OAGs, official action guides. You need to know. You need to know them front and back. So if they're God forbid you do need to deviate, you're deviating from. You know, we have a un, unlike where you're from, where I'm from. Driving off the roadway is a no-no. You, you know, you're, you're going to stay. You're going to stay on. The, you're going to stay on the roadway. You're going to stay in the street. So if I got to drive off the roadway, there better be a damn good reason why I got to drive off the roadway. Sure. But if you ever are in that situation and say there's a trash truck in your way and you need to go around the trash truck, you can literally get on the radio on a tape recorded frequency and say engine one. I'm unable to make my stretch due to a blocked street. I have to go off the roadway. Boom. You just, you just documented the whole thing on a tape recorded frequency, just throwing sure. it out there in the world. Um, but I learned that from chief Glassman, who was one of your guests. It's old Ed. It's tape recorded, it's tape recorded. Yeah. So if you know, it, 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 it's, and, and it's time dated and stamped, but you know, that, that being said, yeah, your, your, your tough ones are going to come when you're least expecting it. But we, I just had this conversation the other night. I was, um, in Virginia, and we were chatting about fires and people are trapped. And if you're the first new engine, what do you do? If there's only three of you and one of you is the driver, what's your play? Do you both search? Do you bring the line in? Does one search and one fight the fire? You could go down a rabbit hole of scenarios on, on, on what to do, what not to do. 
and you know, I'll give you my opinion. One search and one put the fire out. That would be that. That would be my my play because we got to put the fire out to make the make the situation get better. But sure. if you pulled ten fire officers, I bet you all ten are going to have a different scenario and a different uh, thought about it, or you know, a different whatever because of their experience level, or because of their thoughts, or because of who they are. I know. You like me, you know, we might not be afraid to bend a rule to get the job done where the next guy, he's not bending any rules at all, even a little bit for any situation that's going to happen. And, you know, I'm not saying he's a bad guy or a bad firefighter or a bad fire officer, but that's how he that's how he conducts himself. And it kind of circles back to what I was saying earlier, where, excuse me, only worry about your company and what your company's doing. Mm -hmm. So. When you're when when your operation you pivot from size up to um, you know now attack mode or operational and you're faced with an obstacle, say it's uh, a large fence and you know you got to go through that fence and you don't have any you don't have any force bungee tools because you're an engine and you literally got to break a hole in Mrs. Smith's fence to to get over or through it or whatever. That's a pivot. That's a pivot and that's something you weren't expecting and it could change the whole course of whatever. And now. After the fire, you're going to come out and the chief's going to be standing there and he's going to be like, yo, Cap, why is there a hole in Mrs. Smith's fence? Yeah. Well, chief, I had to pivot. I had to make a decision. Yeah. Not making a decision is the worst decision in the world you can make. Uh, yes. And th- I think the other big thing to take away from this as well for people that are listening is the communication of deviation. There's a difference in deviating for a task at hand than being insubordinate. I, I agree. Think. I agree with I, you. I- I've, I've been in a few situations where I did not follow what I was supposed to do from what I saw and my communication on it wasn't bad and I got freaking crushed for it and rightfully so. But I've also had it where I kind of walked the edge and I kind of pushed the envelope substantially and I'm trying – the person that supervised me and I'll leave it very generalized – for the you know specifically um that person came up to me and was like hey you know you're not really you kind of did x y and z and you're not really supposed to with what your dispatch order was and i'm like yeah but kind of got to the situation where i really didn't have a choice i we had it you know the long story short there was a it was a uh it was a house fire and we went through the rear and you're you're kind of supposed to communicate how it's done and it the situation just played out to where um our line was the most efficient line. No one got hurt from what we did and all that. And the, you know, the person was kind of like, Hey man, that's not really what we're supposed to do. And it's like, Hey, this is what we did. This is why. And it was kind of like, all right, I get it. And we had talking, I got a little bit of a, uh, uh, a little bit of an ass chewing and, but he understood what I did and why I did it. But I didn't, the problem is the communication. I didn't communicate it properly. We and have that's to, on me as an officer, you know? Sure. And that's where, you know, say you're going down a one-way street the wrong way. Well, mm-hmm. that's that is the cause, the biggest cause for communication there is because you got to pick up the radio and let everybody know, like, yo, engine one, I just went down, you know, Fish Street the wrong way. Have everybody redirect because everybody's expecting I, that I went the right way. So yeah. that's that's a very minuscule example of bending a rule where you have to fess up to it immediately because people have to redirect and. You know, we live in the northeastern part of the United States. If you don't live in the northeastern part of the United States, when it snows, getting down streets is not easy, especially after, <laughs> right. especially after plowing has happened. There's snow banks, there's things. So there are – it's not like it's a beautiful day and you're just deciding to buck one-way streets. It's there, – there could be something in the way where you, you have to – you have to redirect your whole response pattern. And th- there you go. There, there's a prime example of bending, bending or breaking your rule and having to fess up to it and – you know, dealing with it, but I'm a big fan of the rules because I'll enjoy how my working fire policy is written and I enjoy following it because it it, it works for us very well. So I can say this, if you have a policy for your working fire, train on it, train on, train on your working fire policy, train on first, second, third, fourth, fifth, however it's written for you to understand it. And then train on maybe if you, why or when or how 
you maybe would have to deviate from going this way or that way or doing this or whatever, because as we know, no matter how many books you read or what social media pages you're glued to, you really don't know what you have until you get there and lay eyes on it. And even when you turn the corner, it still isn't, it still isn't clear to you sometimes until you're right in front of that building and and truly reading it. And like you said, if it's three in the morning and you've had a rough shift or things aren't good for you at home and you're wiping sleep out of your eyes, hopefully, you know, you're making the right judgment call at all times, at all times. And you know what? You're going to make a mistake. Everybody, everybody does. Yeah. And that's, and that's also another time where you've kind of built into that um, piggy bank of dependability for your crew where they're going to kind of make up for it. Right. They're going to kind of be like, Hey man, like, Let's go this way. LT, what are you doing? I'm going to Captain, what are you doing? Sure. No, no, we need to go over. Hey, did you see that? We should probably pull our line this way. Shit. All right. Yeah, man. Thanks, Bill. You got it. You're right. Um, and and I think that comes from continuous uh, paying into that bank of trust. Um, you know, I say this a lot. Trust takes time and don't rush it. Um, but to speak to what you said a little bit earlier, especially about the winter part, the word heights is in the neighborhood that I work. So everything's a gigantic hill, and I feel like we've never had fires on flat grounds. I feel like it's always, it's always on a – you know what I mean? Like it's always on a hill There's a, when snow's on the ground at least. You know, 100, 100, degree, 100 degrees with heat index, 100% humidity, it's flat as could be. But the minute there's an inch of snow on the ground and everybody goes crazy and they can't park and there's crap everywhere, that's when you're going to get all those fires on those hills and the house – the physical house will be on a grade and you're like, Oh shit. Great. But, um, and, and I, I say that in jest, but there is truth to that, uh, which operational discipline is obviously going to always be King. And that's something that I very, I undervalued tremendously over my career. And it's something that as I became an, not as I became being an officer, when I pivoted from being an idiot and not really giving a shit about anything. And I finally took myself or I took, um, I really understood the weight of what I'm doing as an officer and the impact I have. Once I really understood the importance of operational discipline, it made me, I guess, reflect and really um, gain a respect for it. And here's why. And this, and again, you talked about, you're never going to know what you're going to have or what you're going to think and, and all that with all these other factors that we talked about until you're physically, your eyes on it, right? You're physically in front of it. And even then things can change. If I know where I'm supposed to be on this call, what I'm doing, I know when you're somewhere you're not supposed to be. 100%. Here's the thing. And this is, again, this is something that really opened my eyes. And I'm not saying I was like, Willie, you know, I did whatever the hell I want. No, I'm, not, I'm not saying any of that. I, it's just, it's, it's experience, growth, um, maturity, uh, life experience, all that's kind of culminating to going to that, you know, next level. Um, the human factor, you can't predict the human factor. You can't get that out of a book. You can't get that out of watching social media. You can't get that out of listening to podcasts. You can't, you can't get it out of anywhere, right? Because the one thing that they're not going to talk about in a book is what it feels like turning a corner and then you realize you're on the wrong street. Well, you just fucked up. Now you got to recover and figure it out. You have to have the, you have to have the, the, the bearing to understand you have to fix the problem, not just go, Oh, I don't know what to do. You just, Hey, we're on the wrong street. I fucked up. Are you going to have to call and communicate that to the rest of the uh, incoming units? Because is it going to dramatically affect everything? Because if you made a, a left and you should make a right, and now you're five blocks away when you, you should have been turning the block for the call, now you could go from first to fourth due, first to last arriving, whatever. You have to communicate that. And I think when you do that, it takes a lot of balls, excuse me, a lot of courage to be able to say to your, hey, guys, I just screwed up. Hey, engine one to chief one, we're going to be delayed. We're in the wrong block. Let the other units know we're going to probably have to change the run order. That sucks, right? That sucks. What's that? It happens. It happens. And here's the thing, and this is the whole point of why I was bringing that up. I feel like more often than not on boxes, it's never it, – I just feel like it's never, especially when there's a fire involved, nothing ever goes according to the way it should be. Something always happens. Someone does something. A unit is where they're not supposed to be. A uh, fire is somewhere where they said it wasn't going to be. And I'm not, and this isn't throwing anyone under the bus. And this isn't directly calling out anyone that I work for. I'm not calling out anyone in the department. 
got to say all that stuff, but you understand what I'm saying. On a fire ground, I feel like nothing is ever A through Z. It's always you show up, make a decision, fix a problem, show, do this. All right, cool. That problem's fixed. Let's move on. Oh, here's another problem. Fix it. Move on. Here's another problem. Fix it. Move on. There's always a variable that's going to get thrown out there because of the human factor. People make mistakes intentionally, unintentionally. People don't do something because they don't know how to. They don't know any better, right? You could have a brand new officer made a mistake from an experience, and now you have to fix that problem. It's now on you and your company to correct whatever that situation is. You could have little Billy, the volunteer firefighter, who is a brand new lieutenant, and it's New Year's Day, and it's his first call he's ever ran as an officer. He has no clue what he's doing, and it's okay. I, I mean, we've all been there. I know you've been there on your first fire. We all know what it's like. That transition from firefighter to officer sucks. It's not fun. You screw up more than you do things right. But it's the, again, it's what I'm getting at is the human factor. What do you well, think about I, that? I, I I agree, and I always uh, when when I teach, I uh, I always I talk about the working fire like. You know, we, we should covet it. It's, it's it's the greatest morale booster, and you know, sure. it's it's awesome for a lot of reasons. Even though you know, it, it's wreaking havoc on somebody's life. But you know, if if I I always say raise your hand if you know somebody who shouldn't be a firefighter who's a firefighter, and everybody's people are like raising legs. Like they got two two arms <laughs> and legs, up. and I always say they're at the working fire too. They're there, they're there, and they're operating. Maybe. <laughs> in ranks they shouldn't be operating in or maybe in positions they shouldn't be operating in. And yeah. So you have that, or you have you who is, you would think you think you as yourself as more polished and squared away. And you know, you're there. I, I'll tell you a funny story. I was, I was on a, I was on a set of irons one time at a front door with fire blown out of a window. And I had the whole first alarm assignment standing in the street. And this door was just kicking my ass to oh, no boy. end and everybody's just standing there the whole first alarm assignment is standing there looking at me and after what seemed like minutes and probably wasn't went by everybody turned into a forceful entry expert and you know they're giving go this do this do that do this. and i'm just like yeah ah! like shut up yeah. <laughs> okay yeah and it, was, it was it was the, the problem was is I didn't have the I didn't have the tool set where it needed to be set. It was my fault. And after sure. a few readjustments, I got the door open, which felt like forever. But in in that moment, I wanted to just scream at the top of my lungs and throw my halogen bar out in the street at the whole yeah. first alarm assignment that was standing there. So sure, these things happen. They do. How you're able to work through them and how you're able to recover from them, you know, because sometimes the mistake could be so grave that it caused something to happen where it's not traumatic, but it's eye-opening for you and it sticks with you, but you have to, you have to go on from it immediately and, and get on to the next task and go on the next yeah. I had a firefighter um, fall off a ladder. I was on a ladder with him and he fell off the ladder and hit the ground. Um, well, he actually hit me and then hit the ground. And I didn't fall off the ladder, thankfully. I got down. He's fine. He didn't break anything. I don't know. He must have went to church that, that day before or something and prayed. He go to church? He, I'll tell you what. He, 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 he yeah. was just a little bruised up, right? But sure. after we drug him in the street to EMS, I had to go back to the task that I was doing because there was fire and smoke and a lot of things going on. And we weren't taken out of play. We were left in play. And you got to be ready to, to just keep adjusting yourself mentally and physically, mentally and physically, mentally and physically, the whole incident, the whole incident from start to finish. And you'll see, especially like after the fire is knocked down, it's funny when, when it's a good fire, you can't find anybody on the fire floor to feed your line. And then when the fire is knocked down, there's nothing but, you know, uh, you're just running into people's elbows up there and shoulders because everybody wants to get up on the fire floor. And even then you, you still have to take command and take charge and make sure guys are working or pulling pull ceilings and whatever. I was at a, I was at a lightning strike house fire uh, a few months ago. It was, it was, I'll range it from low budget to, to mid range. And we were all in the fire room. It's probably like 25 guys in the fire room. And the one captain that was actually like, yo, he whistled. He was like, not everybody needs to be up here. Like yeah. if you're not get first, out. Two, get out. And I was like, good for you. 
because that needed yeah. to happen. It wasn't coming from me. I, I wasn't thinking that way, but he was thinking that way. And I appreciate it. I even went up to him afterwards and shook his hand. I was like, dude, that was awesome. That was great. Like, I, I appreciated that. But sometimes you, you got to be thinking always. Your mind always has to be thinking of mission-oriented, mission-oriented, mission-oriented. I went on a tangent. No, you're good. And it's really funny because anyone that knows anything about the – and I'm trying to think how to say this. Anybody that knows anything about the, the DMV, especially inside the Beltway, the United States Capitol Beltway, 495 um, will understand that. And you can, you can appreciate this too, is it always feels like that front door is like a group of offensive linemen trying to, or defensive linemen trying to rush in and tackle the quarterback. Except the, the quarterback's the fire. That is the, is the actual fire. There are so many freaking people get chalked in these doors and these hallways standing on hand lines. They have some kind of dumb comment, maybe not dumb. That's probably the wrong thing to say, but they have comments for everything. You were talking about the guys being forcible entry experts when you were trying to pop a door. I mean, that sounded very uh, low key to what it sounded like, what I'm sure they were saying to you. I'm surprised they didn't throw shit at you or I I thought it was coming to it. (laughs) And I'm not trying to be like, you know, super salt dog back in my day, but I, I, I know for a fact with my eyeballs, I have seen people do those things and things were ripped out of their hands and they were quickly adjusted in their positioning. And I'll leave it at that yeah. um, against their will and was taken over. Another company took it over and, and, and they did it. Um, you know, and those stories are fun to joke about and fun to talk about reminisce. And um, you know, I'm pretty guilty of it. I'm sure you, you can appreciate it of a of fish tales of calls of the past, sure. but um, it's definitely all kidding aside. I mean, it's definitely, it's, it can be definitely nerve wracking. So you need to be resilient. And this is something that I posted on my Instagram a, while, a couple of days ago. And I just wanted to read it real quick. Cause I feel like it's pretty applicable um, is strength of body and mind plays a crucial role. Physical fitness can boost energy levels, enhance con- con- yeah, cognitive function and improve decision-making abilities, allowing leaders to be more effective and focused on their roles. Mental strength enables leaders to handle pressure, make tough decisions and lead with confidence, inspiring, motiva- and inspiring and motivating their teams. Striving for a balance of both physical and mental strength can enhance leadership capabilities and overall effectiveness. And, and I read that specifically because, I mean, in essence, that's the fire ground, right? That's the command presence on the fire ground. That's um, something else that we talked about before we started recording was giving them, you know, giving the people on your crew a reason to follow you, right? So I think overall, as the officer or if, you know, you happen to be riding the seat, you're just a firefighter or whatever, don't ever underappreciate how everything always plays into um, your command presence, your experiences, the exact task you're doing at the moment, um, your preparation phases. Um, you know, we talked about a little bit earlier with knowing building construction, how fire is going to travel through them, how burning buildings are going to burn. And also, you know, how buildings can collapse and when they're on fire, those things are all very important. So we're about the one hour mark. Um, is there anything that we missed that you want to talk about? No, I think we hit it all actually. Uh, the pregame okay. notes, anyway. We got it. We got it in. Yeah, yeah. All right. So uh, I think the biggest thing here that that I really I'm going to take away from this, and you know, I'm really glad that you're able to talk about it. This is something that has been my favorite part of these podcasts, and now twice with having you as a podcast um, is there's always things in my mind I don't know how to get out, but I notice them. Like I, I, I don't want to say feel them, but like. I feel like sometimes when you bring things up, there's stuff that I'll say, oh shit, well, I knew what that is. I just never know how to put it into words. And that was the fire ground pivot. I, I think if you guys go back and listen to this episode, you share it with your friends, you know, whatever it is. And the fire ground pivot is incredibly important. It's something that I've, I've, I've noticed. I've never knew how to put into words until we, we talked about it today. So thank you. Um, and hopefully this is something you all can take away. Um, you know, Bobby, it's been really great you know, thank you for your time. It's, it's, as always, it's a pleasure. And, you know, I do appreciate all the little the all text, mine. the text, the, you know, the chit chatter back and forth, the bullshitting. I, I always greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Um, is there anybody else you wanted to give a shout out to? Is there anything else you wanted to touch on before you get going and I'll close this out? Now, uh, if you're looking to uh, train with us, we have, we're, we have an open enrollment coming up uh, and piggyback with the New Jersey State Firearms Convention in Wildwood, New Jersey. It's, no, it's uh, September 14th. We're having an open enrollment hands-on class. It's called Wildwood Days. If you go to my Instagram, 
Ecker underscore three three five, or follow us on Facebook, Ecker Fire Tactics LLC. You can find all our open enrollment classes and come find us, man. We we uh, we love seeing new faces. We love seeing old faces, and uh, we love just being out there. Uh, GoPros are welcomed. Excellent. So we're going to add a link to all of that below uh, in the episode description. You'll be able to find it. And um, Bobby, don't go anywhere while I close this out. Guys, thanks again for being here. Bobby, thank you for your time. Thank you, brother. Um, Yes, no problem. Believe me, the the pleasure and the honor is all mine. Um, So guys, if you haven't done so before, please leave us a rating. Five stars are our favorite. It helps us grow the community. Um, Thank you for your time. Have a great day. And uh, tip of the spirit leadership, be present, be yourself, be unstoppable. Thanks, guys.